Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. It's Final Friday, which means we're wrapping up the week and talking about some things that are top of mind for your business. And unfortunately, I got some hard truths today. It's some truths that... Well, for some people who listen, it's going to be total, uh, yep, duh, I got it, I'm already doing that. For other people, they may think, they may listen to it and think, okay, I've never thought of it that way. And then there's probably going to be a third group of people who are like, dude, I'm never listening to another episode from you again because I so disagree. I'm talking today about how do you actually retain talent in your organization. And this, this is applicable no matter how small your business is. So if you are running a business and you're hiring your first employee, these concepts are true. If you are running a 200, 300, 400 employee operation, these concepts are absolutely true. And I want to back up and explain kind of why I'm getting into this topic today, why this is so relevant for me today. It's because over these last couple of weeks, I've had, uh, especially as you know, we're, we're still rife in the coronavirus pandemic, people are coming off of unemployment, they're going back to work, uh, businesses are hopefully getting back into the swing of thing and seeing their revenue go from what was maybe stalling to now uh, having some positive traction. And so naturally, people are thinking about what do I do with my employees? Well, unfortunately, what I have seen happen over the last few weeks are things that are so nonsensical. When we talk about retaining talent, they are so anti-employee that in an area, in a time when Corona already adds so much stress and pain and challenge, you don't need any extra pain and challenge of now not having the talent you need to actually grow and scale your business. Like these conversations are absolutely all the more relevant today when we're in the middle of a stressful pandemic than maybe they were relevant uh, more so today than, than compared to maybe even six months ago, 12 months ago, however long, uh, really any other time in our history that we can compare to. Well, some things that I've seen that um, have just been pretty shocking to me uh, I've seen things, I just read a news article today of a restaurant where an employee reported sick, he had a positive corona test, and his manager told him, hey, tough, you need to come to work. Like, you need to come to work, we're not doing masks, we're not doing social distancing, like, you need to come to work, that's the expectation, or you can find another job. And so, what did this employee do? Well, <laughs> I guess being a good employee, he said, okay, well, I'm being threatened with my job. I guess I will come to work. Sure enough, other employees got sick, and now that business is about to lose its license for basically what, what's been total malpractice for treating not just its employees, but also its prospective customers. I mean, it's total dumbfoundedness, total irresponsibility. I heard another story. A guy was telling me about how he was getting his uh, coronavirus test because whenever this whole outbreak started, there was conversation on, can we work remote? Is that possible? And the boss basically said, it was a small operation around 10 people. And the boss said, no way, not going to happen. Everyone needs to keep coming to work, which, which um, here's the deal. I'm not knocking people for 
for not having remote or at-home work policies. There are some people who, because of the nature of the business, it's just not possible. There are some companies where the employees just don't have the technology. I mean, I was just talking to a company just a few weeks ago when we were talking about remote work, and their big challenge right now is their employees literally physically do not have the infrastructure in their house. They don't have the high-speed internet. They don't have like the, the computer, the laptop, whatever, which in 2020, it may especially if you're like a young millennial you're hearing me talk about this you're like really someone doesn't have those things yeah some people don't actually have those things and it's not it's not it's not a knock on people it's just that that whatever you have in terms of your household it may be something that you've never actually stopped to think wow this is actually a pretty significant blessing that i have this you know i have you know one gigabit internet through google uh what's it called google fiber and it costs me twenty dollars a month and i've never stopped to think wow there's people out there who don't have high-speed internet and so processing this a little bit, I was talking to uh, this this guy who's at his company. And, and so, again, not knocking people who don't have remote or work from home policies, although uh, you probably should. This company basically said, hey, do not talk to us about work, working, working from home. Like it's not going to happen. Keep showing up to work. So 10 employees kept coming to work. Sure enough, eventually someone got coronavirus. Someone got sick. And so that created a lot of panic. It created a lot of tension. I mean, think about the tension and stress that maybe you felt on one of the first days of the coronavirus pandemic. Well, so everyone starts kind of freaking out and they want this person goes to the boss and, and is going to say, Hey, can we have like the rest of the day off? Can we maybe like work from home the rest of the week? Just, just to make sure that no one's sick. And the boss is like, basically like raises up the hand and says, uh, uh-uh, you know, don't even, don't even mention it. Don't even talk about it. You have to come to work. It's going to happen. Sure enough. Two more employees test positive for coronavirus. And now this guy's telling me about how he's waiting for his coronavirus results himself. Uh, All I can think about as I'm hearing this story is, yikes, these are people who are undoubtedly, while they are recovering sick at home, they are also Googling for other jobs that they could go work at. And whenever we have this conversation of talent retention, it's amazing to me how People, it, it just does not click for some people. I saw a Twitter post maybe three, four months ago that said, you better believe that new hires in their job interviews, or excuse me, new prospects in their job interviews are going to be asking, what did you do for your employees during the coronavirus pandemic? And there's going to be some companies that aren't going to know exactly what to say, or they're going to spin it in some way that tries to make themselves look good when really they didn't do much at all. And I've I've talked long about building your raving fans for your business. I've talked long about building customers who love what you do. In fact, my wife, Joy, who's incredible, she runs a business. Uh, She runs a, a business that's infinitely better than my business. She's amazing. So she runs a business called Culture Connection, and what she does is she teaches people uh, foreign languages, and these are all basically professionals who maybe they need that language in their work, maybe it's a hobby for them to pick it up, but regardless of the reason, you know, she has a handful of students that she's teaching every week and trying to um, help them become proficient in this in this new language. Well, she has one student who's a vet- vet- veterinarian, hard word, and uh this veterinarian is learning sign language from Joy. And Joy mentioned to me the other day that she was getting on DoorDash to send this student a couple of pints of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And I'm like, well, what's going on here? The student's out of Arizona 
And the student has basically said, has told Joy, this job is killing me right now. I mean, it's killing my soul. Uh, I mean, apparently, you know, being a veterinarian actually does come with stress. You're not just hanging out with like dogs and cats all day. I'm sure you are, but you know, um, it's funny how we just, we sometimes don't even really realize how people who are helping us maybe with our loved ones and our animals, maybe they themselves are also going through some really challenging circumstances. And so she's like, this job is really stressing me out right now. It's really challenging. And so what does Joy do? She, um, and keep in mind, this student has actually also bailed on like their last two or three of appointments and whenever a student cancels on joy especially when it's the day of they still have to pay for the lesson which it's it's pretty expensive it's it's not like a 20 dollars an hour lesson this thing's pretty expensive and so this person's bailed and so they've had to pay for the lesson anyway and they've happily done so and and so joy she has she's not making money on this student beyond like these random interactions where sometimes it gets canceled in advance sometimes it doesn't it's, it's not a very consistent student well, so what Joy does, she doesn't bemoan this student. She's not like, wow, this person's really obnoxious. Wow, I never know if I'm going to have a lesson with this person or not. Oh, darn, they canceled before. They canceled, they canceled two days in advance instead of once, and now I'm not making any money. She doesn't have any of those conversations because she's not that kind of person. Here's what she did. I walked into the room last night. She was on DoorDash. She was ordering two pints of Ben & Jerry's ice cream because this person loves ice cream, and she was having it delivered to to this doctor uh, at her work just to try to give her some brief respite from the chaos of of her job. And I was like, first of all, I, I'm, I'm telling the story because I just got to brag on my wife. I mean, she's a total rock star. But second of all, think about what that means for that customer. That Joy went out of her way, states away, and paid money out of her pocket to have food delivered to her, one of her favorite foods delivered to her, this is someone who's going to be a customer for life and, and, and maybe not a customer for life, but a, a vocal advocate for life for Joy's business. Like that's the magic behind making a raving fan for your business because that customer is now going to be infinitely more profitable than any new customer that Joy could go out and find. The same concept is true for your team and your employees. If you can convert someone, and when I say convert, I don't mean drink the Kool-Aid and like manipulate them, or it's like, uh, what's the, uh, oh my gosh, oh, Stockholm Syndrome, you know, where you like, you treat them so horribly that they finally like fawn over you in some twisted relationship. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you can create a culture that people adore and love being part of, they will pay back that in an exponential return for years to come. You don't have to worry about losing talent, which by the way, there's plenty of reports out there from the Department of Labor amongst any other many other sources that talk about the cost, the pure cost of replacing a, a salaried employee is typically one and a half their salary because you have to pay for the next employee's salary on top of usually around six months of training time just to get that person brought up to speed. And if it was a veteran employee who left, there's really no way to bring that new employee up to the same level without just, again, years of experience and exposure of working with you. And so it is, it is financially, when we talk about like your books, it's financially to your benefit to keep employees as long as possible. 
to keep them engaged as long as possible. And that's the other scary part of it. Gallup has an awesome uh, PDF they put out every year. And if you are in management, if you're in leadership in any way, you need to go Google this. It's called The State of the Workplace. It's by Gallup, G-A-L-L-U-P. They put it out every single year. Maybe it's every other year. I can't remember. But I, uh, you can check the 2017 version. You can check the 2019 version. And there either is one this year or another one's coming out next year. But the, the numbers are never really that different. They don't just talk about the cost of employees leaving. They talk about the cost of employees who hate working for you, but they stay. And this, these employees who they call disengaged are not just your toxic employees. They are your employees who keep their head down. They don't say anything, but they really don't contribute much to your bottom line. In fact, you lose money on them. You lose what Gallup talks about is billions of dollars per year across our economy in these employees. Now, at the very start of the podcast, I said, as I, what I wanted to talk about today was it's going to, some of you are going to hear this. You're going to be, yep, I'm with you. Some of you are going to say, okay, I haven't really thought about this. I need, I need to get a handle on this. And some of you are going to be like, forget you. You have no idea what you're talking about. If you are in that third bucket, what you're thinking right now, when I talk about disengaged employees, your mind is immediately going to, wow, how lazy of those employees. Wow, how manipulative of them to take advantage of my time and the the job that I've given them. You're thinking, wow, these people are takers. These people, you know, I I just got to throw it in because this is what I've heard sometimes. Wow, these people are millennials. Wow, these people are stealing from me. You know, and and, and all I can tell you is, is two things. One, if your mind goes there, this is not the podcast for you. Uh, the advice that I'm getting, that I'm giving is not for you. And I'm okay with that Two, If you have even the slightest inkling that you may be wrong, I want to challenge you and tell you that when it comes to effective leadership and management and getting the results that you need out of your employees, it is 10% their prerogative and it is 90% yours to actually bring that out of them. Speaking of Gallup, they put out a book that I adore just this last year, and it's three words. The book title, three words, it's the manager. And I want you to think about any problem that you can face within a business. The answer that Gallup, statistically speaking, they, they, they it's not an opinion piece. They actually look at the data. Anytime there's a problem with the employee, it's the manager. It's the leader's fault for doing it. In fact, I was talking to a guy who uh, works with um, Franklin Covey, been there for 20 years, incredible guy. And we were swapping stories. He's, he came on the podcast last week. He's going to be on a future episode that I'm going to publish. And he was talking about he got fielded a question of what do I do when my employees won't tell me the truth when they'll lie to me? And it was kind of a leading question of like, how do I fire this person? And I loved his answer of how he flipped it on the person where he said, if, why is that my problem? That's a you problem. That's a you problem because you have stewarded a culture where people now do not feel they can be honest. And it's either because of fear that you've created when someone makes a mistake. It's because of promoting behaviors for the wrong reasons. You know, someone cuts corners or fudges the numbers or does something slightly unethical and they ultimately get rewarded because, it, because their efforts help the bottom line. You know, these are things that are tied back to the manager and what they've done to steward the culture that they want. And so when we talk about talent retention, 
We're talking about how do you actually go the extra mile to not just keep people engaged. It's not like it's not keep the troops happy. It's it's you. And this is such an awkward conversation sometimes because it's hard for me sometimes to help someone understand that. Yes, it's about your numbers. Yes, it's about your bottom line. Yes, it's about your revenue and being competitive in the marketplace. And how can you make as much money as possible? And how can you totally dominate? And how can this be like the record breaking year and make the business, the brand exactly what you've always wanted? Yes, those things are true. But also, it's about being empathetic to the dignity of the people who work for you and caring about their quality of life. And you can have both. You can have both. You don't have to pick one. You don't have to choose either I'm chasing, I'm chasing profits or I'm chasing my people. You know, you don't have to pick one. These things can both coexist in your business. And if you can build a business that has both of these things, that is what winning looks like. That is what's building a legacy that people want to be part of. That's what building a brand is that customers love and adore because they aren't just interacting with you. They're interacting with your your customer-facing uh, employees who, who adore working there. I think I mentioned the story a while back of a... Uh, my veter- veterinarian, anytime I bring my dog in, I just it just seems like they just really enjoy the place. Well, I was having dinner with uh, another couple of neighbors of ours, found out that the wife used to work there. And so I wanted to get the scoop, you know, and I was like, hey, what was it like working there? You know, what did you think? And I just was, I was just curious if she was going to tell me like something super shady about it or I don't know. And she just paused for a second and just definitively said, best job I've ever had. Think about what that does for me now as a customer. I'm thinking I can trust this place. I'm going to keep bringing my dog back to this place. And now if, if something goes off, let's say they miss something on my dog. Let's say that they, they um, make a mistake or they, maybe they clip a nail too short or, or whatever. Now, instead of, instead of my mind going to incompetence or I can't trust them or I need to find someone else, it's this place is amazing. This is awesome. This was just a mistake and I need to give grace to these people. That's, that's what trust does to a customer's perception of a business. And so when we talk about building your brand, Man, my, my encouragement is to get desperate for supporting your employees, you know, treating them like actual people and engaging them in a way where they care about the direction of the business. This means probably being a bit more transparent than maybe you're comfortable with. I loved my last company and how at any moment we could always look at the PL. We could always see where the money was going. But then we have some companies where oh, that's above their pay grade. I don't want to show them that. Excuse me. I don't. I don't want them to see that. They should. That's why. Why would they be able to see that? They don't deserve to see that. And that's. And, and here's always the challenging conversations when right off the bat I can tell it's actually not about logistics of the business. Like in some cases I get it where it's like okay that person really I don't want them to have to worry about those numbers. I want them just to focus on their sweet spot. That would add more stress to their day to include them in this type of conversation. Those things I get. But when it's about ego. Oh, well, that person doesn't deserve, they don't know what I've been through to be in this position. They haven't paid the price that I've paid to be in this position. It doesn't work long-term. You have to engage your employees and you have to fight to retain the talent that you want. Because the scary thing is when we talk about talent retention, the best talent always leaves first, always, because they know they're hireable somewhere else. What have you done during coronavirus? to engage your employees? 
What have you done to provide security and stability to them? To let them know that they're valued? How have you made their job easier rather than harder to now make your business more money? I mean, I, I talked to a guy who told his sales team, hey, don't worry about selling right now because nobody's buying. That's totally the wrong take to have. Instead, what should happen is now that top salesperson, that sales manager should be engaging with his salespeople or her salespeople and saying, hey, it, it's, it's a tough time. Why don't we, why don't we get together? I'll, I'll buy lunch. Let's go through like how we can have a conversation with people where they don't feel like we're just taking from them when they're already stressed about coronavirus. How do we pr provide support to our customers or our prospective customers where they're willing to lean into a deeper, con let's have that conversation. Let's do some more training. Let's walk through this to get, man, I'm, I'm really struggling too. I'm really having a tough, man, my biggest client just totally disappeared on me. I, man, let's, let's like walk through this. Those kinds of conversations will do more for your talent as opposed to the sales manager who yells at his or her staff and says, why are you still not selling right now? What's the problem? And who sort of tries to brute force productivity when it's nonsensical. The last thing I'll say on this, and it's, 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 I'm not apprehensive to say it. I say it, though, knowing that it causes the most tension in my listeners. Because back when I, again, when I talked about the buckets of people who are listening, I did a podcast episode called, Should You Pay Your People More? And the answer was totally yes, it was. Absolutely, you should. I talked to a person who they, they, they said they cannot find good talent. I said, what are you paying? $12 an hour. Okay, well, you need to pay at least 15. Heck, if you could pay 20. Well, I, I can't afford it. Okay, well, then it's, you're, you're just going to, and I get that. I'm, I'm not ignorant to that. I get that. But you, you then need to be appreciative of the fact that it's a roll of the dice right now. You're going to churn and burn employees until you find someone who is a diamond in the rough. And then they're only going to be with you short term because they're going to realize that they're total rock stars and they're going to realize they're worth a lot more somewhere else. But that's, that is the rhythm you're going to have to get used to at $12 an hour. And so the biggest way to retain talent, pay your people what they're worth. I talked to a company, uh, maybe it was um, six weeks ago. They were talking about how to keep their employees engaged who are essential employees. Uh, the conversation of bonuses had come up. And I said, yeah, you better believe it. Absolutely. Ten times over. I would take that conversation of bonuses and think about now how do we execute on it? Logistically, how do we make this happen now where it goes from being just a conversation to an actual yes, I'm going to I'm going to put my money where it's, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And I'm not just saying I value you. I'm going to show, yes, I value you. Here's an extra paycheck or here's whatever. You know, you have to be willing to pay for what you want. And I think the reason that this gets such a, becomes such a challenging conversation is because we love to talk about perks in the workplace. And I'm not anti-perk. You know, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with perks. You know, like, uh, I don't know, I can't think. See, if it's even, you can tell how biased I am because I even can't talk about perks without sounding shallow about perks. Um, but these are like actual perks that someone told me, uh, jeans Friday, you can wear jeans to work on Friday. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. It's pretty cool. I guess. Um, I did have another company that they served beer on Friday afternoons, which kind of cool. You know, if that's your thing, that's, that's kind of a cool dig. 
Um, bring your dog to work. It's a common one. Ping pong table, foosball table, beanbag chairs. Uh, we know whatever other cliche you can think of. What I will tell you is perks are exactly what they, it's, it's what the word is. It's a perk. It is not though the meat of the business. It is not someone's why for working for you. And so do not take it personal when you spend all of this money on perks and someone ends up leaving. I got into a, not an argument. I got into a slight disagreement with someone, uh, probably maybe four or five months ago. And they were talking about, um, and, and this, it's tough to talk about this without making myself get, putting myself in an awkward position. So like the whole conversation on people, they quit bad bosses, you know, they, they want to work for good bosses, good cultures. Um, first of all, it's been cliched to death. I'm not disagreeing with it. It is true. People will, they will quit a bad boss and they will even sometimes go to a lower paying job just to be happier in their quality of life. But what I've also known to be true, people quit good bosses when the pay isn't there. And I was talking to someone, this is the disagreement I got into. Uh, she was talking about how her best friend or one of her friends had um, basically quit and gone to a company that offered more money and uh, how she was miserable and unhappy. And it was sort of like this evidence of, see, this is why it's important to be a good boss because uh, this person is now, they chased the money and now they're unhappy. And so therefore you shouldn't chase the money. But the point that I made was I said, you know, let's trace back this story though. This, think about why this person quit in the first place. As you put it, she was at this amazing job, amazing boss, whatever, and she chased money and went somewhere else and it wasn't, it wasn't, it was too good to be true. It wasn't as good as they told her it would be. Now she's unhappy. But why did she leave in the first place? Because you didn't pay her what she's worth. So we can't let perks become the purpose for why someone is at your job. Take care of your people. And that means financially take care of them as well. And I'm not talking about being nonsensical. You know, you have a starting pay of, you know, something ridiculous and no one, there's no requirements on experience or expectations or accountability. Just any random person could pick up that job. I'm not saying to tank your business. I am saying though, your idea for the progress of how do you grow a sustainable, high functioning business it may not match the reality of what you will have to sacrifice to make that happen. You know, instead of paying your people pennies and nickels and thinking you're going to grow your business to a multi-million dollar enterprise in the next one, two, three years, I think what's actually more realistic is you will build that multi-million dollar enterprise, but the slice you take home is going to be significantly less. Because you're actually rewarding the behaviors that are, are positive for the business. You're paying talent what it deserves. And that is something that, my friends, you just got to come to terms with. You have to decide how far are you willing to go to sacrifice your dream to help bring people in and build something together. And I get, again, there's ego there. It's, well, it's my idea. It's what I've built. I'm the one with the liability. I get that. But unfortunately, to build something long-term sustainable, man, you got to get after it and you got to take care of your talents or, man, they'll find their value somewhere else.
Hey, that's all I got for today. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, maybe you're a first-time listener, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Check out the podcast. We don't do any fluff here. We just jump into the whatever concepts I'm thinking about for business, leadership, entrepreneurship, what have you. Also have a guest every week. Feel free to tune into that as well. And hey, if you enjoy this podcast, feel free to leave us a five-star review. Last thing I'll say, if you've been listening a long time, you can throw us a Google review for good advice in Northwest Arkansas, or you could even sponsor the podcast as little as a dollar a month. You can check out our website, goodadvicecoaching.com slash podcast to learn more there. Hey, thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. See you later.